Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will study the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's date is Saturday, the 22nd of April. And today we won't study the Big Book. We will have two brilliant speakers today, which is going to be awesome. And my name is Johan, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Sweden and in Sweden. I will be your host for today's study, and our co-hosts are Sue, Maria, is there anybody else? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so if you have any questions during the meeting, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts by private message in the chat function. The chat function will be disable until five minutes before the question and answer session. Please note uh, that speaker Harlan G will be recorded for the duration. Harlan won't be here today, so but we will record the speakers today. And so Louis and Susan is gonna be our speakers. Uh, and they will be recorded. How, however, the question and answer session which follows will not be recorded. Just so you know. Uh, we ask if you can please make sure to keep your microphone on mute at all times during today's study. And also please turn off your video if you're exercising, eating, or if you need to step away from your screen from any reason. During the meeting, we'll post the link to our seventh tradition. This money goes uh, towards the cost of our Zoom account the costs of uploading our recordings. And we also send contributions to our intergroup and VCWSO. Uh, we'll post a link to the previous week's recordings. These are available by clicking on the link that will be posted in the chat box. And so I will now turn the meeting over to our first speaker, which is Louis. Welcome, Louis. The floor is yours. Let's just hang on, Louis. Just let us give you permission to mute yourself. There you go, Louis. Hey, everyone. I was gonna tell a marriage joke, but I was like, no. <laughs> it's like when I was married, I get permission to, to speak. Uh, can someone make me a co-host? <laughs> Please, uh, I wanted to share some pictures. It's sort of um, like a visual kind of business card, right? What I've loved about Zoom, first off, my name's Lewis. Hi, I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, and uh, for Harlan, who, who is probably listening later on, go White Sox. Um, but I wanted to just say, uh, uh, thanks for having me, everyone. Glad to be here. Uh, anytime I get a chance to share, it's funny. I used to dread it. I'm just like, don't ask me to talk. I don't want to do this, but now there's so much pleasure in, in, in getting to share the miracle that's happened, uh, to me, uh, as a result of working these steps. Um, I wanted to show you my pictures real quick. So, uh, just to sign of give, you know, people come in and, you know, you're like, what does this guy know about being morbidly obese or, or whatever, you know, your version of diseases. And 
you know, no matter uh, how cool the team jersey, uh, how nice the suit or, you know, how cool the streetwear, you know, you couldn't I couldn't hide the fact that I was well over 380 pounds. Um, you know, there's there's I'm smiling in all these photos, but I, 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 I always contend that there was really nothing there and uh, giant size, God size hole in that man's chest. And, you know, the sad part is there's incredible things going on in these photos, but I don't remember a lot of them. There's, there's, there's a lot of numbing out that I did in my life. It takes work to stay over 380 pounds. It, it, it's, it's a full-time job. Um, let's scroll on. I like these photos, not because I'm wearing a cardigan and because I'm a fan, but because, you know, I like seeing people's faces. It's kind of funny. I always scroll when, when I see, cause they're like, Oh yeah. You know, you see some nods and smiles, but this man is a stark raving lunatic. He is self-will run riot. He is bat crap crazy. Um, he is a manipulator, a liar. And not just that, he loves playing office politics, personal politics. He loves kind of, you know, instead of saying, you know, what he means, he's passive aggressive. Uh, he's, a, he's a real Aries. So what, what uh, the great example with this is also that, you know, I don't, I don't need the reason I don't talk about my food or any of that is like, you don't need me for that. Right. Like we can, we can all sort that out with, with our sponsors and our nutritionists or whatever, whatever you use, but that this is a real inability for me to deal with life on life's terms, because even at this weight that you see in this photo, you know, this, this is what happens when life gets real, right. When life shows up, when, when life shows up at my door, and asks uh, 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 anything of me, I get uncomfortable, I get scared, I freeze, I'm a fear-based engine, uh, I seize up and I don't know what to do. So what happens is I eat. I eat, I eat when I'm afraid, I'm, I, eat, I ate when I was angry, uh, 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 excited, fearful. I hid behind desks, did a lot of layers, that did not help. Uh, even a matching bow tie and, and, you know, pocket square couldn't help. But I don't want to end on a downer. I wanted to show you guys something fun. It's from the OA birthday party that happened just recently in January. This, this is the incredible gift that, that this program has given me. This is the incredible gift that, that, that God has given me today. Uh, uh, this, this camaraderie uh, that, that was developed and birth from me just ceasing fighting anything or anyone. For me to sit around with, with friends new and old in this photo and, and do some work for the benefit of other people to come and enjoy an incredible weekend. And, uh, and I'm looking not into the camera because I was so excited at the photo. So anyway, um, and the reason I want to talk about the, that gift of, of togetherness today is because I didn't have that. I actively pushed it away. As much as I had friends growing up my entire life, I was always personable, friendly. I'm from the Midwest. I'm nice. I was talking about that with friends last night, just what we do, you know, but, but deep down inside, I wanted nothing to do with you. I wanted you to have nothing to do with me. I just wanted to hide. I wanted to be alone with my food and my, my whirlpool of crazy thoughts. And I get reflective on this around this time of year, particularly because my natal birthday was on Tuesday. 
And my OE birthday is right around the corner. And it'll be seven years of not killing myself with food. It'll be seven years of not doing things my way. It'll be seven years of accepting help, of taking people's hands and taking direction. And, and the messages and the sweet texts and calls and, and get togethers remind me of, of the relationships that were newly formed because of this, of the relationships that were repaired because of this, the relationships that, that I thought I had just absolutely positively nuked from orbit that were repaired because of this. The fact that there is absolutely nothing that I have to do alone today is a miracle. It doesn't matter. And it's not just the big stuff, right? It doesn't matter how small it is, whether it's me wanting to go to the bank, whether it's me wanting to make a phone call. I've called people to help me write an email. There's nothing you have to do alone. And, and before that's all I wanted, I'll briefly tell you what, 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 what stuff was like before in, in that, you know, I grew up with some medical issues, caused a lot of surgeries to happen as I was growing up. And it's easy for me to hang my hat on that, to want to hang my hat on that and go, that's why I ate. It's not. It's easy for me to go and talk about how, how, you know, my father to this day hasn't said, I, I love you too, or anything like that. It's easy for me to hang my hat on that and go, that's why I ate. And it's not. I ate because I was a latchkey kid. No. I was born this way. And I see that evidence throughout these rooms black, white, big, tall, short, whatever, purple, green, right? These people in this room who normally would not mix if it wasn't for this common peril that we share. Broken home, loving home, rich, poor. And here we are with an inability. We are, we are cut off at the knees because we can't stop eating. When, when the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind kicks in, we all succumb. And for me, that looked like isolation, bulldozing, great career. I heard someone talk about that this morning. Great career, didn't matter. Friends, didn't matter. Even getting married didn't fix my life. When I would sit there and I would binge my brains out before my wife at the time would get home because I knew we were gonna fight. And each and every time I stood in front of that fridge, stuffing my face in tears because I knew I didn't wanna feel what was gonna happen when I would lock myself in my office because someone said something that I perceived as rude or mean. Which takes me to an even better place because it's like the reminder that in these steps, 
my perception is not reality, you guys. I don't know if you know this. And please tell me if you can relate. But I get some wacky ideas. When, when I can sit there and I can be anywhere, right? And, and if someone's like kind of laughing off in the corner, I'd be like, oh, are they laughing at me? What, what did I do, right? I can insert myself into a lot of things. What do they mean by that text? They must be mad at me. What did I do? And yet when I, when I read the big book, all of a sudden, I'm like, that's not me. When Bill describes how he drank, right? That's, well, that's not me. That's bad for him, but I don't have a problem. The 12 and 12 talks about how that, that self-appraisal isn't sufficient. I need a higher power and fellows right, to put me back on the path. There's nothing I have to do alone. Every time I sat there and I thought that killing myself was the answer, when I sat there and I thought that, that the, only, the only thing I wanted was for the pain to, to stop, to go to a therapist because that was the safest thing that I could think of, where I didn't have to bear my soul in front of people. And if you've heard me talk before, I'll say it again. It, it, this experience I had was something, something told me not to end my life that day. Something told me to get help. Something in the back of my mind said to sit down in that couch when that woman told me that you're an adequate food, Lewis. And, 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 and of course, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for me to get into the room. When she asked me point blank, Lewis, are you willing to go to something called Overeaters Anonymous? And I said, no. I always joke about that line in the big book that talks about, you know, I, the, the guy who, who hits himself on the head, right? So, so he doesn't feel his headache, right? Like that's, that, that sounds like a great idea to me. I don't want to feel heartache. Let me kill myself with food. I don't want to feel sadness. Let me eat. I had always viewed these relationships as very transactional, right? I am, I am a, you owe me one, I owe you one. And I don't, I don't, I don't like to owe anyone anything. And this sort of puffed up self sense of independence that I had that, 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 that didn't serve me. And to sit and just, just be terrified enough and taking enough body blows in life to go, yeah, what do you want me to do? To hear someone talk about their step one, hear my sponsor at the time talk about what it was like for him, to hear other people talk about the disturbing things that they also did with food. And when I shared those things and they didn't even flinch, I reluctantly accepted that this is home. 
fellow in this room took my call every hour on the hour my first day just so that I could tell him I didn't eat. Fellow in these rooms showed me how to grocery shop. I'm like, what, what is wrong with this lady? What is she getting out of this? People here showed me how to grow up. How to deal with life on life's terms. To take my sponsor's direction. To sit there and go, are you really, are you willing, are you willing to read this, right? And write on it and sit there and do this hard thing. And I, I, of course, I insert myself. And, and, and I want to go, I'm going to jazz it up. I'm going to have a nice desk and I'm going to sit there. It's got to be the perfect pen. I've got to have the perfect lighting. I'm going to do this after I take a nice warm bath and a glass of warm milk. And, and it never got done. I had to keep getting desperate. Take enough body blows. I, I love this line in chapter five, how it works. And, and it really it really put in a lot into perspective for me where it talks about at some of these we bogged, right? We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start, right? Some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely. You guys, they're begging me. They're begging me. Not because this was written by some, by some like triple PhD person, right? You know, because this was written by, by someone else who had this disease, by other people who had this disease and, 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 and had gone through the tests, right? Had, had sat there and suffered the consequences of doing things other, in a different way. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. And I kept thinking it's not. You guys, I kept thinking, I can, I can cut this corner. Let me try it this way instead. This book was written in the 30s, and I'm just like, I bet no one's thought of this yet. there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing, right? Watch me. I relapse after three months. Hard. And that terrified the hell out of me. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And, and I'm so grateful that, that they're suggested because if you try to tell me what to do, forget it. It ain't happening. And I'm grateful that, that no one ever told me what to do, but they would just throw a suggestion. My sponsor throws a suggestion and said, you don't have to do it. Lewis, this is all optional. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. If nothing changes, nothing changes. 
but I'm scared. Sponsor, like I'm terrified. I don't know about this higher power business. What do I do, right? And how do I build any relationship? How have I built any relationship, right? With time, time together. And it took me a long time of little trust falls with, with God, right? With, with what my perception of God was. I told you about my medical issues. I had incredible resentment towards God. I had incredible resentment because I kept thinking, why, why if, if God is so loving and merciful, would he, would he cause a baby to be cut up and, and fixed or whatever? And why would he make a baby that's defective and need all these surgeries throughout life or whatever? And, and, and those, those were my thoughts. But it's a God of my own understanding. What's it look like to have a loving God that has your back 110%? What's the action you would take then, Lewis? What's the opposite of what you want to do, Lewis? <laughs> and those little trust falls led into bigger things. Bigger things. And I'll tell you when it, when it finally came to a head. When, when uh, uh, I had a kidney transplant that was given to me by my brother in 2009. And uh, it lasted for about 10 years. And it started to fail because, you know, who knew that, that putting on well over a hundred pounds with a kidney transplant, you know, wouldn't be good for, for a kidney. Who to thunk it? My, uh, my, the, 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 the kidney, my brother gave me failed. And I sat in the emergency room with all the beeps and the boops and the noises and the other people writhing in pain and the other pods. And, and that, that was my turning point. That, that for me was the point where I had to decide if God was everything or nothing at all. nothing changes, nothing changes. I wanted to hide out. I wanted to just call people after I sorted it out. Once I had a plan, once I knew what I was going to do. But what if you call your sponsor and go, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. And I'm freaking scared. And my hope today is that it doesn't take that for you to be at the turning point. My hope for you today is that it doesn't take you being put up against the wall and said, are you in or are you out? I... I sincerely hope that's not the case for you. And today, you know, e even with that, right? Like my perception is not reality. I, 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 I've been given this incredible gift of not knowing anything. When um, I got on dialysis after my kidney failed, I, I, uh, about a year and a half later, which is a miracle, uh, I got a call that 
you know, a, a, a match had come up and I was sitting at dinner or uh, with some people and I was like, ah, you know, maybe it's happening. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I get the call. They got the kidney. And I was, I was telling them before I went in, oh, you guys, I'm going to be in the emergency room for like, or in, in intensive care for like seven days, probably get out of the hospital in like 10. They're going to be, you know, uh, sticking me in the finger for my blood every hour and blah, blah, blah. I had the story. No, you guys, you don't get, I had, I've had this done before. I know what I'm talking about. Only for transplant day to come. I was out of the hospital in three days. It was the, probably one of the one of the smoothest procedures I've ever had in my life. Much smoother than any dental thing I've ever had to deal with. Like getting it, that this experience was so smooth that that uh, uh, me getting my wisdom teeth pulled out was a tougher go. I know nothing. I I. I've, I've not come up short when I just said, I don't know. Let me ask them. There's this incredible amount of stuff that is not my business, not my problem, not for me to mess with. And that pile gets pushed over to God, right? Every day I hand things over to him I sit, I pray, I meditate, you know, I, 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 you know, straighten up that antenna that I wake up crooked with every day, right? Every morning I wake up a compulsive overeater and I got to set the tune tune God back in and I hand that stuff over. And then what I'm left with is like, like this, it's like, oh, that was that all I gotta, that's all I gotta do. And guess what? Sometimes it's just not this little, right? Life still gets hard. I got a promotion back in November and I'm just like, heck yeah, I'm getting what I wanted. And boy, did I get what I wanted. The workload doubles, right? All of a sudden, you know, you're like, yeah, business trip. Oh, business trip. I'm so tired. And life and life still gets hard, right? But again, there's nothing I have to do alone. Hey, how do you, how did you deal with like just being exhausted from work? What? Oh, sometimes a crazy thought will pop in. And as I'm saying it out loud to someone, I hear how ridiculous it sounds. Snap back into reality. My friends and fellows, right? I, 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 I colorfully say sometimes that you guys are incredible at pulling my head out of my butt. And pointing it back towards God. Every day, every day, my my disease wants to go like, hey, what about this over here? And it takes work every day for me to go, oh, no. But how do I ensure that, right? Pray, meditate in the morning, right? I have sponsees. I allow myself to be sponsored, right? Because guess what? <laughs> if I didn't watch, I'd be like, oh, I'm good. But right I, I see the research around me. Two minutes, Luz. Two minutes, perfect. Right, you know, I allow myself to be sponsored. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I lovingly say that 
I'm not a mechanic. I don't get under my hood. I've tried that a thousand times. It's me and YouTube sitting there uh, under the hood of my car and it doesn't always go that great, right? I'm not a plumber. I don't mess around with under, under my sink. I've tried that before it didn't work out, right? I am an addict with food and I am not one to mess around with my food. Uh, I wanted to end with something that, that means a lot to me. And it's in the stories in, in the back of the big book. Uh, uh, it's from the story Gutter Bravado. And, and I love reading this. And, and just on my own, sometimes I'll read it because such a great reminder. It's on page 510. Uh, the, it, it talks about the meetings gave me what my sponsor likes to call one of the most important words in the big book. AA put a we in my life. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. I no longer had to be alone. Fellowship and activity kept me coming back long enough to work the 12 steps. The more I did, the better I felt. They started hanging out with my sponsor and some active people at the meetings. They showed me how gratitude is something that is demonstrated, not talked about. Gratitude is action. They suggested I was lucky to still have a car, even though it was a junker. Therefore, I might consider taking the less fortunate to meetings. They reminded me you can't teach anything to a know-it-all, so remain teachable. When old behaviors started to creep back in, they called me on it. When life just didn't feel right, they talked about developing faith and relying on my higher power. They told me lack of power is my dilemma and that there is a solution. I took to AA immediately and believed like a child that if I leveled my pride enough to thoroughly follow their path, I'd get what they had and it worked. I, I didn't do anything special. I didn't do anything different. I just wanted to stop killing myself. And this gift, has been so graciously given to me by a power greater than myself that I, that I truly believe has me. And it's available to you too. I'm just some dopey dude from the Midwest who just got tired of fighting. So hopefully you can join us and trudge this road to happy destiny with us. Would love to have you. All the cool kids are doing it. Come on down. Now I'm warm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Luis. That was awesome. So touching and authentic and strong and powerful. And yeah, it's just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Thank you. And our next speaker is Susan. Welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you, Johan. Good morning, everyone. My name is Susan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And thank you to Harlem for inviting us today to share our stories and to be with all of you. It's always very humbling. And I love Overeats Anonymous. I'm not a girl who came in saying that. And it took me many, many years to say that. But I owe my life today to these 12 steps and to these rooms and to this fellowship. Um, I have a sponsor who actually is turning 33 in OA today, which is amazing. And she too has a sponsor. And I just have to say that Lewis forgets a very important part of the story of us going to Trader Joe's, how he kept on pushing the trolley into my ankles because he just so didn't want to be there. Anyway, 
just saying live on tape that I had damaged angles that day. No good deed goes undone. So I invite you this morning to come all the way in and sit all the way down. I know that people are across the world on this meeting. You're busy, you're doing your ironing, you're with your families. You don't think you look good enough to come on camera. It makes such a difference. Not only it's lovely to see all of your smiling faces, but we're giving hope and sharing with others the miracle that we can be seen today to those who are still eating. So I hope that, you know, you can set aside how you think you look and come and join us. So wherever you are calling in from today, there's a lot of you I don't know. Maybe you know me. Maybe I'm about to know you. I'm excited. So I do believe that, you know, my story is one of coming in very large and not in charge, that's for sure. I thought I was. I'm just over 5'7", and my top weight was 250 pounds. Um, I've been in a normal size body weight now for, gosh, almost 24 years. I'm not somebody who didn't ever get down. I did get down. I Many, many methods, and they try. But for a girl like me, I don't know how to stay stopped without a power that I choose to call God in my life. Because today, I believe I've experienced this entire psychic change and I'm not constantly looking for frothy emotional appeal every time I get thin, which is what I did. I've been able to stay stopped. But it goes just a little bit further than what I weigh on the scale, what I eat. It's about being of service, being up and down this staircase of recovery each and every single day and knowing that I am a distinct entity and all my other ideas had to be smashed. I landed myself back in incomprehensible demoralization every few months. How am I here again? A size 26 dress. I threw everything away. What the flip am I going to wear to work tomorrow? I took the hand of somebody else who asked me actually not to speak a lot, and I didn't. And this is what happens when you take complete and thorough direction and you follow the path of somebody who has gone before you. Self-sponsoring doesn't work. Kumbaya doesn't work. They're there just a little bit doesn't work. Not for a girl like me. You know, it describes in the big book, if you're this kind of alcoholic, if you're that kind of alcoholic, well, I'm the real kind. When I read Bill Wilson's story, Dr. Bob's story, I know that I ate like they drank. And this is just a little bit of fun. This is what I look like today. Um, and here, as Lewis showed, is some fun and some fellowship. I'm sorry if you aren't in them. I need to do another page. This is what happens if you put yourself in the center of the herd. Those two people down on the right are family members, so you won't know them, or well, some of you do. And then here are a few others. That was me and my sister last year in Croatia when it was my 23rd birthday. There you can see Lewis, some other people who you know. Um, so obviously that is a great gift. I can't tell you that I don't enjoy being in a normal size body. But what I don't miss is the angst of what am I going to do today? How am I going to do this? How am I going to manipulate this? How am I going to get more diuretics? Where can I go now to get another needle in my bum that I don't even know what they're putting in there? But yes, just sign me up. Frothy emotional appeal. Let me just keep on throwing money at this issue. Um, you know, it tells us in more about alcoholism. I'm going to have these countless vain attempts. 
Absolutely. I tried everything. And I talk about this often because this is this is how the progression goes. Oh, Susan, I have a neighbor who's a dentist and he wired my sister's jaw shut once. Do you want to come with me this weekend? I think that would be a great idea. Oh, okay. I say to friend X, who I barely know, I've barely been living in America. And I'm thinking, it's got to be good. That's got to be good, right? And off I go to a man's house who I don't even know. I don't care that it was in the hills of Encino and very bourgeois. It doesn't matter. And just imagine wire on a thick needle going in and out of all of your gums, across, across, and then up and down and up and down. I volunteered for that. I thought that that was a solution. I weighed 250 pounds. So lean into this part. Three months, jaw wired shut. Remove the wire. Get on the scale. How much do I weigh? 250 pounds. That's how I know that I belong here. Because as soon as I left, I have a mind that is immediately thinking, well, what are we going to do? Well, you're going to drive through. You're going to find straws. You're going to get cold stuff. You're going to do this. You're just, and that's how I maintained 250 pounds with my jaw wired shut. So I know who I am and I know who I am not. And I am a girl who needs to stay in here with her bum firmly planted in the seat, working with others, with a sponsor and having conscious contact with God each and every day of my life. Um, I came to America in 1982 for various reasons. And one of them was everything would just stop. All the insanity in my life would just go away. So I came to Los Angeles, I had an opportunity to come here and I discovered drive-throughs, this, that, but my life was going really well. I got a job, I got an immigration lawyer, I got my green card, everything was so great, don't you know? And there's so many more diets here. Oh, and oops-a-daisy, they have these things called drive-throughs and nobody sees you eating. That's so good and then you just go home to your family, friends you're staying with, and oh, I'm not very hungry today, I had a late lunch. I won't tell you about the two for ones that I ate in my car. And people used to say to me, but Susan, we don't see you ever eat anything. Cunning, baffling, powerful. Also a very, very subtle foe because it would always tell me, it's okay, just this one time, just this one more bite, you've got this, you can do it. Just like every time when Bill came out of the hospital, he had it, he had it. He got it. And around 1983, I went to a gym. Um, I'm not really advertising because they don't exist anymore. It was Richard Simmons gym and it catered to larger people. So off I went in my fuchsia spandex and I went and I met a girl around the same age as me at the time in her 20s and she was going to a meeting and the person I didn't have a car at the time the person who was my lift home said we're going to this meeting and I just remember her saying vaguely it was something to do with food so I thought well I'm all in I'm all in you know I've done Weight Watchers I've done this I've done that I've done Nutrisystem hadn't had my jaw wired shut yet and 
you know, I've had some needles in my bum. I did all kinds of things in England from wrapping myself in cellophane to all the crazies. Um, so I go to this meeting. I understood nothing about it, but very righteous. This is a cult. I'm not coming back. I don't know who these people are. Why are they so friendly? Why do they want my phone number? This is everything everybody warned me about in America. I need to get out of here and never, ever come back. However, if you live in Los Angeles, it is, number one, it's the home of Overeats Anonymous. As you know, that's why we have the OA birthday party here every year. And that's how I know so many of you. And also, I'm a huge proponent of Zoom. I think it has done incredible things for Overeats Anonymous. I mean, I have worldwide friends. I'm speaking to somebody somewhere every single day. And I thank you all for that, because that is just amazing. I know how we got here wasn't amazing, but now it is. And I carried on my merry way for about 16 years until I could fully concede to my innermost self. Because I had a lot of ideas and there's a lot of things available that are constantly coming out, billboards, newspapers, everything. And they work, but they don't work for people like me who lick their plates, who eat out of the dustbin, who think that as soon as they get thin, this, this, and this will fix them. So I kept on making these beginnings. And because I disliked you all so much, I kept on coming in and out of the rooms just to see how you were all doing with my arms folded, sitting in the back row, little Miss Pissy Pants when you were still thin and I was fat again. And you'd say, phone me, phone me. I'll help you. I'll help you. And I didn't do it. And I couldn't do it. And so it says here and today, if you are suffering, and this is where I had to get to, it says at the bottom of page 31 and more about alcoholism, because there's so much to say about it. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. You could go on to OA.org right now and download the 15 questions. It's going to ask you some different things. I tick all of them. So it says, Step over to the nearest barroom, bakery, strip joint, whatever your addiction is, and try some controlled drinking. Absolutely. I can diet. No problem. No problem whatsoever. I had ribbons when they were giving them at Weight Watchers. They offered me a job. I lost my weight in Nutrisystem. I did a photo shoot for them. I know how to be an Olympian here, but I can't stay stopped without a power greater than myself. My life becomes unmanageable the minute they say, Susan, you're on maintenance, we'll see you next week. So here, as we say, is the hammer. So have that, sit there, whatever it is that you like, try to eat, drink, vomit, starve, and stop abruptly. Well, there's the concrete wall for me. I can't stop abruptly. Remember, I had my jaw wired shut for three months and couldn't stop. And it really was just, by the way, quite painful. Even though he numbed my mouth, do you know how painful that was and how sore it was for the days after? I'm going to be thin. When a certain person used to have her own TV show and she wheeled in all her fat in that red barrel, I didn't know she and I were on it at the same time. And I can tell you, I used to have twice the amount of hair. I was willing to eat 500 calories a day and lose half my head of hair to be thin, to be thin. And it never occurred to me, like it says in one of the stories in the big book in the back, 
but I couldn't stop on my own, but I couldn't stop on my own. It never occurred to me, of course, I won't find the page right now. Um, and it didn't. I So I kept on going into that bitter morass of self-pity and I kept on coming in and out of these meetings and I would meet people, I'm going to find the page, mainly in AA who would say to me, you know, Susan, they have pro, they, we have a 12-step program, somebody like you. And one time I was at work at a law firm at the time and there was this really pretty paralegal dressed in her gorgeous St. John suit. And she was from Texas and she just looked like everybody else on Dallas. And she said to me, I'm an alcoholic and I don't drink anymore. I kind of sat back in my chair because I didn't know what that meant. I honestly didn't, but she was not the vision that I thought was somebody who drank. And she said to me, and I didn't like it, she said, every Monday, when we all eat lunch together, all you do is talk about your food and your weight and this huge problem that you have. She said, do you want to go to a meeting? So because I know everything, I said, oh no, Annie, I've been, it doesn't work. And she said, really, do you have a big book? I said, oh, I have a couple. I buy them so that they continue to make money. Have you ever read it? No, but I've read the stuff up on the walls that they have. And I love, if you ever listen to Joe and Charlie recordings, they always say, this is not a program to be memorized off of the wall. And it's true because we can chant along. Oh, it's progress, not perfection. It's spiritual progress, not perfection. So Annie very kindly told me that I had not worked the 12 steps and she offered to take me to a meeting. Very annoyed, very annoyed, but we worked in this very small team and she was dating my boss and they ended up getting married. So how could I say no to her? And they were just lovely. Oh, here it is, my chance to live, page 316. I digress for one moment. No one who drank as I did wakes up on the edge of the abyss one morning and says, things look pretty scary. Driving up to some man's house. Oh, and I tried cocaine. I heard that was a good idea to stop. And then somebody said to me, Susan, you probably shouldn't do that. You've just applied for your green card. You know you'll get deported. Well, I am a real scaredy cat and chicken little. And so I immediately ceased and desisted that because if I went back to England, this would never, ever end, right? Don't you know? It was all of England's fault at that point. Things look pretty scary. I think I'd better stop drinking before I fall in. I was convinced I could go as far as I wanted. I never went on a diet to weigh 250 pounds. And have you ever done the, I'll never do this, I'll never go there, I'll just this, but then I'll back off. I can't, I can't, because this is progressive and it has me in the clutches. I don't have it in the clutches. It has me by the neck. And I used to think it was the other way around wrong, wrong again. All my old ideas had to be smashed. What happened was I found myself at the bottom of the canyon. I came back to England for my sister's wedding, flipping disaster, nothing like a good family trip to fully concede to your innermost self or to stand at that turning point. And it says, bottom of the canyon, thinking I'd never see the sun again. I finally got scared. 
I finally knew that 250 was going to be my starting point because I had left a certain weight on that trip with the dress I was going to wear. And I had to go out. And it was one of those rare occasions when it was very hot in England. And I had plans for fake tan on my legs and sandals and everything. And I had to go out and buy tights that would hold me in to wear this dress. I was home for 10 days and that happened. And that was my last debacle. That was the last time that I ate the foods that I am allergic to, not the ones that you are allergic to, the ones that I cannot eat or handle. And it says here, AA didn't pull me out of that hole. It did give me the tools to construct a ladder with the 12 steps. Sobriety is nothing like I thought it would be. At first, it's one big emotional roller coaster. Nothing to take off the edge. Have to really dig deep with God. Full of sharp highs and lows. So... I can't remember where I was before I found that page, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, I was telling you about Annie, who made me go to a meeting with her. And I did. And it was still, gosh, probably a decade until my sister's wedding and until I came here. So I came back. I knew various people now. And I knew the family who had come to live here, here with in America. Their daughter had gotten into OA in Florida. She was the third person who was in that meeting with me originally, and she'd lost all of her weight and she used to look like me. And I called her and I said, just tell me what you're eating. I know they're going to make me read and stuff, but if you just tell me exactly what you're doing, I can follow along. A lot of self-will, a lot of self-will, a lot of ego, and I needed a lot of reduction. I needed a lot of God to level my pride. I couldn't see that my life was unmanageable. And she said, I can't do that. And it won't help you, Susan. And she said, call my sponsor. I don't know that she would sponsor you long distance, but give it a try. And I called this woman in Florida, three hour time difference. And I cried on the phone. And I told her about all the remedies, every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there had been brief recovery. I told her about them. And then again, worse relapse, permanent, progressive, and fatal. And I know that in this meeting, you hear those words a lot. A lot. And it's true. And the progression is really, really aggressive. And each time it comes back, it's more and more aggressive. It's not gentler and softer and says, 198, maybe could we just, just this time we'll do 199. I'll take you in. I'll ease you in, sweetheart. It doesn't say that. It pushes you in through those gates of insanity and hell and everything is topsy-turvy. And I tell you, I had good jobs. I made my bed. I did this. But inside, I was a towering inferno. I wasn't loving and kind towards all. I may have been all phony on the front, but that wasn't what was going on inside. And I spoke to this woman and I begged her and I begged her and she tried to scare me by giving me a ridiculous early morning call time. And I, you know, I'm going to show her. And she gave me a list of what I needed to do. And then here again, as Lewis says, here came the hammer. Sunday night, 
Nobody stops eating on a Sunday, right? Whoever decided it was a Monday, I have no idea. There are plenty of other days with a Y, but that was the day that was chosen. I don't believe that God chose it. I don't know which diet guru decided that, but they did. And she asked me what I was going to have for supper. And I clear, I, it's so clear to me where I was standing, the whole scene. I mean, no cell phone at the time. And I had a phone, you know, pressing the buttons and it was so off I went on my way. And she says, so what are you going to have for supper tonight? And I said, well, you just told me everything I have to do tomorrow. So I was going to start tomorrow. And here's where God speaks to us through others. And here's where this woman, her name is Bonnie. She lives in Fort Lauderdale. She had 15 years at the time. She used to weigh 350 pounds and she is still in recovery. So she's got a lot of time now if I have 23, right? She, and again, it's not about time. It's a day at a time. It's a day at a time. And she said to me, Susan, if you don't tell me what you're going to have for your dinner tonight, you won't call me in the morning. We've spent, we've been on the phone for way after an hour. You've told me what you're willing to do, the hours that you're willing to call me. And there it is, right? It says, crushed by a self-imposed crisis. There it was. Was I going this way? Was I going that way? I, I couldn't zigzag. I had to be, I had to get to the shore to freedom. That was God. That was search and rescue. I let her take my hand without asking me, what color is my life jacket? What color are your eyes? I'd never seen her. There was no Zoom, no FaceTime, no nothing. No, nothing in 1998. We may have had AOL Messenger. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. Um, and off I went on my merry way. And I did exactly what she told me. And trust me, it was more than half of it I didn't like. And I would think, oh, I flew to, my, to Fort Lauderdale. I gave her my fifth step. Thought this is going to be really good because in the book, there are these three columns. She's going to totally understand. Oh, we had a fourth column. We do? What is that all about? Well, that's called your part. She not been listening to me for months as we've been going through the book. What is wrong with her? I didn't play a part. Look how far away I had to move. And all I will say is wherever you go, there you are. And we got to work and I had to let go of all the self-deception, the experimentation. What for me, I'm a girl who weighs her food. I don't carry a scale around outside the house. That's your business. If you do, I do not. But four is four, five is five, six is six. Radical honesty. And in the words of Herb K, this was done to me, not by me. Remember my pictures, remember my jaw wiring story. That's what I do to me. That's what I think is a great idea. So I got to work in here and way before I was ready to sponsor, I was being of service, making the coffee when I was going to in-person meetings, calling other people, which I really, I can talk to a brick wall, but if you think I want to call all of you who are so happy to be in Overeaters Anonymous, you're so wrong, but I did it anyway. I did it anyway, because at this point I wanted to live freely. 
I wanted to cease fighting everything and everyone. And it says on page 83, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Harlan came to Los Angeles. It was probably about 15 years ago or more when I first met him. And he brought the big book alive for me in a different way. I've attended several of Herb K workshops, also done an entirely different way, brought the big book alive in a different way. Over COVID, I have heard so many people. There's no right way, there's no wrong way, or is there? The wrong way is to never read it and to never do it, as far as I'm concerned. And to try and do it on my own wouldn't have worked. And what it says is our behavior will convince each other more than our words. Now, a lot of you I know in person, a lot of you I've known for a very long time, and some of you I haven't. Um, I know that I have changed. I also am very clear on my character defects, and when I do them, me no likey them, but suddenly they rear their head. Sometimes they come out and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that or still said that. Now, unfortunately, the poor audience who always falls short on that are my family. Those things, I'm so well behaved with all of you. No, I'm actually not. Um, and as some of my closest friends are here, they can say that, but what has helped me with that is that last part of step 12, practicing these principles in all my affairs, those relationship chapters. Yeah, they're written a certain way, but there are some nuggets in there, some nuggets in there of how I, ha I have a footprint on this earth. I'm in a marriage with the world. Everybody who crosses my path, I have a relationship with. And I get to go with grace. I get to go with God. I'm not going to like, love everybody who crosses my path. And guess what? I'm not going to like me either. Say la vie. What can I do? And as it's nearly time to wrap up, I want to tell you a story, which now already Lewis cried. And so now will be my turn. Um, it says on page 164, you know, we read, we read the end. I'm just going to cut myself short on some time. Hold on here because I want to finish up. But this paragraph before we read our book is meant to be suggestive only on 164 says, I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember, I haven't even told you the story yet and I'm already crying, that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship that you crave. So I went to that meeting after that Richard Simmons gym class with this lady whose name is Stacy, And I never, ever saw her again. She planted a seed and gave me the biggest gift in my life. I spoke about 10 years ago at what was a very big meeting out here called Serenity Sunday. And occasionally when I would speak, I would actually say her name. We can't be anonymous to each other. We're at the level of press, radio, and film. And somebody who I'd known for years, he came over to me and he says, oh, she still comes. I should tell her that you talk about her. And I went, oh, okay. Wouldn't have recognized her if she knocked at my door right now. One of my friends is here today and she always talked about her best friend, Stacy, who she's always known in the room since her 20s. 
About two years ago, I'm speaking at a meeting that my sponsor invites me to, and God always gives me the words, I don't rehearse. And I say her name. And I see my sponsor's eyes get really big. I see my other friend here who's suddenly like scratching her head. And that same man who 10 years ago, and my sponsor who would never write to me in the chat or text me while I'm speaking went, oh my God, she has a service position here tonight. And after I finished speaking, she wrote to me in the chat and she said, Susan, I'm here, it's me, Stacy." And in January at the birthday party was the first time that I'd seen her since we were both in our twenties. So my point of telling you this, because I want to ugly cry in front of you, <laughs> is pick up the phone, share this message of hope with others, turn your cameras on, don't be anonymous from each other. If we're anonymous from each other, we can't help each other. Don't give up on each other. We never, ever know. It says that helping each other will be the bright spot of your life. That woman changed my life. Changed my life. All she did was open the door. Open the door that it talks about in step three in the AA 12 and 12. My little Alice in Wonderland paragraph that if you know me, you know that I love it. And it's highlighted in three colors that have all faded. And it says, once we have placed the key of willingness, I didn't know anything about a door being locked, that I was stubborn, that I was this. And have the door ever so slightly opened. She cracked that door for me. She cracked that door open. And when I was ready, I swung it wide open into the sunlight of the spirit. We find that we can always open it some more. Though self-will may slam it shut again, as I told you it did for 16 years, it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. God is available to me 24-7, all of those days that end in a Y. God travels the world with me, has a passport. I cannot thank you all enough for the life I have today, for the love, the friendship, the fellowship, the laughter. I just, my heart is so full. My nose is now running. My eyes are running. I'm snotty dotty. So on that note, I will leave and say thank you so much. Thank you so much, Susan. That was incredible. Felt like a minute. <laughs> I could go on and on listening to you. Yeah, just great, just great. How you integrate Big Book with your, with your story and, uh, you know, being fixed on the solution. So thank you so much for reminding me and us of the solution. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn over to Sue for Q&A. So we have uh, 30 minutes of questions, so just fire away. Thank you so much, Johan. Um, I need a minute too. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lewis and Susan. Um, we will now um, have Q&A. If you wanna ask a question, please raise your hand electronically or let me introduce myself first. My name is Sue. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I'm going to be your host for the Q&A session. Um, raise your hand electronically. Um, 
or if you don't want to ask the question personally, um, I would be happy that if you write it in the chat, I will happy, be happy to uh, ask on your behalf anonymously. Um, please, let's use this time for just um, Q&A, not announcements, not comments. Um, that we can do, and we can put in the chat. Uh, and check the chat, please, for the links to our seventh tradition and how to hear the recordings. Um, okay, uh, if, is everybody able to be unmuted um, for asking their question? Because we'll need to do that. Um, but keep your questions short and concise and let us know who you would like, who you're addressing your question to. Okay, I see one hand for, I can hardly read between my tears. Tony B. Tony, would you please ask your question? May I be heard? Uh, you're kind of garbled. May Tony. I be heard? Uh, okay, keep talking and. I said, may I, may I be heard? Yes, now, now we can hear you. Okay, I heard the, the last speaker say that she used to use diuretics. Um, I drink a lot of tea and I was looking it up on the, on the internet there lately and it says the tea is a diuretic. Am I harming my recovery? Am I fooling myself by using diuretics? I was referring to prescription diuretics, not a cup of tea. But I eat ten. I I have ten cups of tea a day. Is that? Is that I think that's something to discuss with no. your sponsor. But I was talking about medical prescription ones. Okay, okay. And there's Thank a difference. You. There must be a difference, yeah. There's a grave yeah. difference. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tony, okay. for your question. I hope that clarifies it for you. Um, okay, Can I just we ask have a question? Here. Should we be turning the recording off? Uh, the question yeah, we'll do that now. Sorry, thanks for that, Susan. Yeah. 